Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, and welcome to What to Say When Things Get Tough, a podcast dedicated to helping you communicate effectively in difficult situations, both professional and personal. I'm your host, Leonard S. Greenberger, and I'm pleased to offer a special double episode this week, since I didn't get around to publishing an episode last week. What can I say? Life intervened. And at least so far, no one's paying me to do this podcast, although if you would like to, please send a note to WTSWTGT at gmail.com. As regular listeners will recall, we've been spending the last few episodes breaking down the code for trust and credibility. And the code is a mnemonic device designed to help you remember the criteria by which people judge whether or not other people are trustworthy and credible sources of information. As the code would suggest, research conducted by risk communication experts such as Vince Cavello shows that there are four such criteria, caring, openness, dedication, and expertise. Now, in difficult situations, your audiences, whether that's one person or a whole group of people, are subconsciously passing everything you say and do through these four filters to determine if you're a trustworthy and credible source of information. And if you say or do the wrong things, your code score, as I call it, is going to go down. And if you dip below a certain score, your audience will not find you trustworthy and credible. And unfortunately, at that point, you will have failed as a communicator. You might as well pack up and go home. In this double episode, we're going to cover the D and the E in the code. But since it's been a few weeks since we started this trip through the code itself, let's begin with a little review. C, or caring, is the first piece of the code for three very important reasons. First, the research shows that people will decide whether another human being is a caring person within 30 seconds of meeting them. Second, caring overwhelms the other four criteria in terms of influence. Fully half of your overall code score is based on whether you're perceived to be a caring person. Openness, dedication, and expertise together account for the other half of your code score. In other words, if the best possible code score is 100, 50 of those points comes from caring, while 15 to 20 points come from each of the other three criteria. So, people judge whether you're caring almost immediately. It's by far the most important component of your code score, and the third reason why caring is so important is that once someone decides that you're not a caring person, it's almost impossible to change their minds. It works the other way too, by the way. If they decide you are a caring person, it can be almost impossible to change their minds. So if you fail the caring portion of your score, you may as well give up trying to win people over who are angry, worried, and suspicious of everything you say. You can be perfect in openness, in dedication, which is the D we're going to talk about, and expertise, which we're going to talk about as well. But you're only going to get to 50 out of 100 on your code score, and that's a failing grade. So that places a huge premium on demonstrating caring immediately when you encounter someone in a difficult communication situation. And the best way, really the only way that I know, to do that, to demonstrate caring immediately when you meet someone, is to tell a story 
that shows your audience that you do care about them and their fears, that you can understand why they feel the way they do or why they're worried about whatever concerns them. And to learn more about how to do that, please go back and listen to the episode entitled C is for Caring, where we go more deeply into all of that and how to do it. Now moving on to openness, that would seem to be the most obvious letter in the code, the easiest one to earn points for. If you mislead people or outright lie to them, I hope it's obvious to you that the other criteria in the code really aren't going to matter. If people think you're not being truthful, there's no way they're, they're going to think or they're going to care that you're caring, dedicated, and expert. Still, when it comes to openness, you can run into situations where you can't be as open as you'd like to be, and you need to know how to handle those situations. So, For example, someone may ask you for information that you simply don't have, a question that you don't have the answer to. The best way to handle that is to acknowledge that you don't have the information, but that as soon as you do have it, you will share it with them and make sure you follow up. Breaking a promise to follow up with that information can drive down your code score considerably. So there's really three pieces to it. Acknowledging you don't have the information, promising that you're going to get it, and then following up and sharing it with that person. And sometimes someone may ask you for information that you don't want to share. You actually know the answer, but for some reason you don't want to give it. That's often the case when the situation involves an ongoing investigation of some kind, or when the information would violate someone's right to privacy. The solution there, too, is to acknowledge that you have the information, but that you can't share it at that time, and you have to be sure to explain why. And offer to share the information if and when the reason that's preventing you from doing so goes away. In some cases, you may never be able to share the information, and if that's the case, you have to be open and honest about that. Take a little ding uh, on the openness and honesty uh, portion of your score by being open and honest about not being able to be open and honest, if that makes sense. But in general, I found that most people understand that sometimes you just can't share information, and it's okay. They're not going to hold that against you. And just like the C, you can find more information about the O in code in the episode entitled O is O So Important. We go into that all more deeply there. So with that review, let's move on to the D in code, which stands for dedication. Whenever you find yourself trying to communicate in a difficult situation, whether it's a fight with a significant other or an environmental crisis involving a company, it's essential to show your audience that you're engaging and trying to understand where they're coming from and trying to share relevant information, not because you have to, but because you want to, because you do have a good story to tell and you want a chance to tell it. If your audience thinks that you're only engaging because you have to, because you're their significant other and you can't go running out of the house, or because you work for the company that caused a problem and they pay you and you need the paycheck, that's going to cost code points. Like openness, dedication accounts for roughly 15 to 20% of your code score. In many ways, you earn dedication points not by what you say, but by what you do. Body language, which plays a huge role in effective communication during difficult situations, and much of it communicates dedication. Are you standing tall, chin up and chest out, eager to engage? Or are you slumped in a chair behind a desk trying to make yourself disappear? Do you stay calm even in the face of stinging criticism, or do you devolve into a screaming match? 
Let's go back to the example of the nuclear power company executive and the public hearing he attended to discuss the leak of a small amount of radioactive material into a local lake. He started scoring dedication points right from the beginning by walking to the meeting with his wife and arriving early. That sent a nonverbal signal that he was eager to be there. Otherwise, he would have waited until the last minute and rushed into the auditorium and onto the stage. He was able to greet other people as they arrived and engage with them in small group discussions, sometimes about the league, but more often about the school and the community and the world in general. He answered many questions before the official program even began, and he handed out lots of business cards, always urging the recipients to email him or call him if they had any questions. Before everyone sat down and the official program began, he had sent a powerful signal. I'm here because I want to be here and because I have a good story that I want to share with you. I detailed how he handled the actual meeting in previous episodes, but what I haven't mentioned is that when the official program ended, the executive and his wife stayed. They chatted with more people, answered more questions, and handed out more business cards so that even people who didn't stay to talk looked over their shoulders on their ways out and saw him still there. He didn't flee when the event was over. He stayed, again, because he wanted to be there. He was dedicated to telling his story, to answering people's questions, and to addressing their concern. And since I'm writing this episode in the hours leading up to the presidential debate between Donald Trump and Joe Biden, I'll mention that in 2000, candidate Al Gore got some good press when he put some of these tools to the test. Rather than rushing from event to event during the campaign, he stayed behind sometimes and talked to people in small groups. Now, it drove his campaign staff crazy because he was always late getting to the next event, but he did get a nice front-page story in USA Today at the time about his dedication to the people who attended to his events, about the fact that he didn't just rush off to the next one, that he wanted to stay and actually talk to people and listen to them and hear what was going on in their lives. And that brings us to the E or in the code, or expertise. The good news, for most of my clients anyway, is that this 15 to 20% of their overall code score is usually in the bag. Take the utility ex executive, for example. If nothing else, most people assumed he knew how to run a nuclear power plant, or at least he knew a lot more about how to run a nuclear power plant than they did. But still, you can lose expertise points. The quickest way is to throw around a lot of jargon technical words and phrases that you as an expert may understand, but which the people with whom you're trying to communicate probably don't. And we're going to spend an entire episode later on the issue of jargon. Jargon can come across as condescending, so you have to think about the level of knowledge that the people or person with whom you're trying to communicate possess, and use that language that they would understand. To give you a sense of what people can understand, the New York Times is written at a level that the average high school graduate can understand while USA Today is written at a level that the average eighth grader can understand. So aim your conversation at a level that you think the people you're talking to can understand. The nuclear power executive wasn't going to go in and start talking about fuel flows and core temperatures and pressurization, pipe fittings, and radioisotopes and so forth. All of those things would have thrown people off would have made them feel dumb, would have made them feel like he was talking down to them. Instead, he spoke in simple terms about what had happened and explained it in a way that they could generally understand why the leak took place and what the company was doing to fix it. The other common way to lose expertise points is to say that you don't know the answer to a question too often. As I discussed earlier, it's okay to say you don't know 
as long as you promise to get the answer and share it. But if you do that too often, people begin to wonder why you don't know the answers to so many questions and your expertise begins to erode. And that, ladies and gentlemen, brings us to the end of our journey through the code for trust and credibility. We'll refer to it again and again over the course of this podcast, and it's an excellent tool that you can begin to use now to help yourself be a more effective communicator in difficult situations. And before I close this episode, I want to let you know that in addition to this special double episode, I'm also republishing an earlier episode called The Credibility Gender Gap. We touched on the code in that episode, but now that you know the whole code and more about what it means, I think it will be very instructive to listen to it again to truly understand how gender affects how people judge whether we are trustworthy and credible sources of information. As always, thank you to Jim Cirillo at jimmymgroup.com for the original music and C.C. Snetzinger for the original art. Please subscribe to, rate, review, and share this podcast on Apple Podcasts. And please send questions to WTSWTGT at gmail.com. Finally, you can follow us on Twitter at hashtag WTSWTGT. Until next time, always be positive. like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day you're the ones who get it done at granger we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies count on real-time product availability and fast delivery call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done